0: Heads up friends, the unofficial Shopify podcast is made by indie entrepreneurs or indie entrepreneurs and may contain material not suitable for all audiences, like swearing or economics. Listener discretion is advised. Customer order updates got you freaking? How about your customer? Let's check in with them. Where is my order? I expect a response in 20 minutes or I'll leave a one-star review everywhere, including your mom's house. Yikes. What if customers could find their own orders with Ventoff Order Lookup, the Shopify app that makes order tracking a breeze? With Ventoff Order Lookup, customers quickly and easily search for their own orders in your store with their email address or their order number. No more wasting time and losing your sanity trying to track down orders for customers. Try Ventoff Order Lookup today and get your order tracking under control. Just search Order Lookup in the app store to start your free trial. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. You know what? My order was at the front door the whole time. Five stars. Welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Stacey Keller, the mastermind behind Pony Back Hats. From humble beginnings in her home to a successful launch in June 2020, Stacey's created a brand that prioritizes comfort, flexibility, and style for those with long hair. So I'm excluded on this one. <laughs> I can still wear them, though. We'll dive into the challenges and rewards of starting a small business during the pandemic. It was quite, quite the wild ride. Hear about Pony Back's unique marketing strategies and discuss what sets these innovated designs apart from other fashion accessories? All today. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Tech Nasty. And this is the unofficial Shopify podcast. <laughs> Stacey, welcome. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. What is a pony hat? What makes this different from, I don't know, a bowler hat,
1: a fedora? Well, a pony hat is a baseball cap that in the back of it has a hidden magnetic seam from the top of the button to the bottom of the band. So it's a flex fit stretch fit hat, but the whole back of it opens and closes with magnets so that you can can accommodate your hairstyle. So right now I'm rocking a high pony and the magnetic seam it's flexible so it can actually wrap around your hairstyle. And the benefit of this is that if you have long hair like me, um, like with an adjustable baseball cap, I would have to rearrange my hairstyle to fit that one spot and often that adjustable cap has like velcro and this is not comfortable and it gets caught in your hair and it's super annoying so i wanted a fitted hat um to fit my hairstyle so that's what ponyback is because you did not invent the
0: idea of like a of a baseball cap with a hole for a ponytail no but previous versions of it just weren't executed nearly to this level of detail
1: that's correct. So when I, I don't know, I was somewhere when I like turned 30 years old and started caring more about my skin and not burning. And I have three kids by this point, And I'm like making them wear hats all of the time. Um, I remember one day my oldest looked up, looked up at me and said, but mom, you're not wearing a hat. Like, why do we have to wear hats? You're not wearing one. I'm like, yeah. So I remember going about my search to find a hat. And at this time, these like ponytail hats that have this high ponytail hole, the ones you're referring to above the adjustable strap were all over like my Facebook page <laughs> trying to sell me on them. And I just looked at them and I'm like, "I, okay, I get how that solves my high pony problem. But I I'm kind of like I wear my hair down sometimes and up and I just felt like that's not going to be the cutest look to have this like big old opening in the back of your hat. I just want something cleaner. And I was buying my kids Um, like these new era fitted, like flex fit designs. I'm like, that is such a nice hat, right? Like, I just couldn't find the equivalent of that for me uh, until I thought like, hey, what if there was just an opening in the back of one of those nice hats? How can we do that? And so
0: that's where the idea came from. You went, man, why doesn't it just work like this? Like it became, uh, you having experienced the problem it became obvious to you. And so you said, all right, I know this could be better.
1: 100%. I knew I could be better. So I uh, I went out and I bought a really nice Oakley hat and I brought it home. And I was, had the audacity to think, I can ma- I can do something about this. I can take out my sewing machine. I don't have a whole lot of sewing skills, but I do have a sewing machine. So I have a few. And I thought, okay, like, what if I sewed in an overlapping flap? And then it opened and that could close up and that would be great. So that was my initial idea was an overlapping flap. And I got out, I I just, whatever fabric I had, I was thinking that yoga pants could work, which was a really terrible idea and did not work at all. So I had tried sewing in some yoga pant fabric and thinking that it could overlap at the back. But that just was a hot mess. So I ended up pulling it all out and after I pulled it all out, almost like giving up, like I was kind of like packing up for the day, All right? We're just like going to leave, like toss this in. This isn't going to work. I noticed that the back seam of the hat was just sitting there open, like it almost wanted to close on its own. And I was like, it just needs a little help. It just needs a little help. It doesn't need an overlapping flap. It just needs a little help. So I'm like, what is in my house that I could actually use to help hold this thing together? And as we already mentioned, Velcro is a terrible idea. So I go through all the like Velcro snaps, buttons. I'm like, no, like that's your hair. You don't want that. And I looked over at my fridge and I was like, magnets hold stuff onto stuff. Like, I wonder if magnets could work. But obviously, fridge magnets were too big and too bulky. And I didn't know how I was going to make that happen. I was like, where else? What other magnets do I have in my house? Just thinking through the options. And I found my kids' magformer toys. So if you're not familiar with a magformer, they are these little shapes. And you put them together and you can build structures. And they have little cylinder magnets inside of them. So thankfully, my husband has a bunch of tools. So I broke into them. I harvested these magnets. And to my just like amazement, these little magnets slid into the back seam allowance on the hat in this little pocket here. And once I slid them in equally on either side, and when I just let go, it just like closed up. (laughs) I I just was like, this is it. And I remember in that moment thinking... Oh my gosh, like this, I slid my messy bun through the top of the hat and I took a selfie and sent it to my husband. I was like, look, I just came up with my business idea. He thought it was crazy.
0: How long did it take where you went from the idea to this functional prototype? Like the moment the magnets get put into this hat, you know, like, all right, now I got something here.
1: It it was that same day. That was one whole afternoon while my kids were napping. That all happened in like a three hour time period that I literally had a work, a a working prototype, but it needed some work because, I mean, I just had slid the magnets in. They were free floating. Like you couldn't, like they weren't going to stay where they were. There was a bunch of problems with that that I had to later sort out. Um, But uh, it was, so I had a working prototype, essentially. I went to the lawyer with that. I had conversations like, can this be patented with the lawyer as it was? Um, but we did talk about how, you know, just having the magnets wasn't going to be enough. There would needed to be something else in the back of the hat to make it patentable. And so over the next eight months after that, I continued to iterate on the prototype. And I incorporated like a flexible tubing um, so that it could actually wrap around the hair. And this tubing would help give it structure. And the tubing would mean that the magnets wouldn't like slide around. And then that actually became what could be patented and that was the unique benefit of of the whole thing was that uh, this whole like component now that was also in the back of the hat so yeah that took that then took about 8 months to get that final working prototype um but it was a whole year before I actually filed for patent pending status with my lawyer
0: so we got one afternoon you come up with a proof of concept 8 months go by to get like real deal prototype, and then 12 months total, you patented the darn thing? Yes. <laughs> What's your background? Had you done anything like this before?
1: No, but so I, my university degree was business administration. So uh, commerce, essentially. And then I, I I, did a stint in accounting for a couple of years. And then after that, I decided that wasn't for me. I went to teacher's college. So I was actually teaching high school business for 10 years prior to coming up with this idea. So I knew like the basics, right? Like I'd been in business school. So like, you know, like if you have an idea, like you need to patent it, like if you can patent it, like that's the best case scenario. Um, so like, I knew all of those things just inherently in my past. So that helped, that helped a bit.
0: <laughs> so you have this, this background in accounting and education and not just like any business education, no less. How do you think that's influenced your approach to running a business,
1: if at all? So it's interesting because as I look back on my past, I see all of these components that sort of came together to prepare me for where I am now. So, I mean, in terms of accounting, there's just been so many times where I didn't need to go to professional or pay someone. I just, I knew inherently the answer. And it's funny how all these experiences stacked. Even teaching, um, I feel like it worked on my personality. I mean, I had to hold the attention of teenagers (laughs) and I feel like I just learned to be really good at that and like being really engaging which I think also like translated into social media for me and I think we'll probably get into that but I became this sort of social media personality for the brand and I feel like it just it just all stacked together and layered um layered upon itself and so it was really easy like I I think my background gave me all of the basics so none of like I think I think a lot of times if you don't already have that, you'd probably be held back in a certain regard. Like you're like, I don't know business and you just write it off like that's your limiting belief and you can't figure it out. I just didn't have that at all. Right. Like that wasn't even a factor for me. It was just, okay. I'm just going to go do this, but I've never done it before. Um, So it's completely different than like just education. It's much harder than that. But um, I think I think for me that that part of it, like, oh, I don't know something was eliminated because I had at least the basic foundation. Now, you get into it and you realize, well, nobody knows anything. And <laughs> everyone's learning it for the first time. But I mean, I, I... they're
0: Yeah, they're pretty much all winging it.
1: Yeah, we're just winging it over here. Like, just because I went to business school doesn't mean I actually know what I'm doing. And I went to business school like over 10 years ago. So much has changed in terms of how you can build the business now. Like, social media wasn't even a thing. I remember in university somebody saying, oh, like, have you seen this thing, Facebook? Like, I literally learned about it in my university class. Like, that's how, that, that was my generation. So I might wasn't educated in, okay, how do you sell, like, how do you create a business in the land of social media, which is a completely new ball game? let alone, like, I know we'll probably get into TikTok, but TikTok created this whole new ecosystem of how you could build a business as well. So nobody really knows. I mean, but I think that hurdle, if 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 you're starting a business for the first time, and you're worried about it, I could imagine that oh I don't know the basics or I don't know what a P and L is, and that's to kind of potentially hold you back. So for me, I think it gave me that extra confidence boost that I probably really needed. And if I didn't have it, just in terms of my own personality, I'm not sure I would have went through with it. Oh
0: yeah, that's a, That's the one. Like looking back, that always drives me crazy. Is like if I knew. What I know now, or like things were slightly different, or timing changed, would I still achieve the same thing? And I don't know. I don't know. And yep. I think you know, it's important to acknowledge that's just a, like there's a lot of stuff that's circumstantial um, and and random, and maybe yes. the universe making decisions for us. Yes. But all right, I want to get before we get to launching the brand, building an audience, social media success, and certainly I like that idea that as a high school teacher, that really kind of primed and prepared you for being uh, an influencer. But first you got to make the product. We need something to sell. Talk to me about the Byzantine nightmare that is getting a product mass produced.
1: Even when I was iterating on that prototype, I was like, hey, well, I need to figure out who's going to make this for me. So I was just Googling my brains out about finding anybody who would chat with me about the product. But the problem was before I had it patent pending, I was very hesitant to even tell anybody my idea. Like I didn't, I think maybe only my parents knew (laughs) before it was patent pending that I was even considering this. And so I was very hesitant to trust anyone. And I think I just, there were a few different manufacturers I found online and they're like, okay, well, like send me your prototype. But I didn't, They weren't referred by anyone. I didn't know if I could trust them. And it was just like a random, random internet company. And when you have intellectual property, I feel like you should be careful. And I did let my gut kind of be my guide in that regard. I was like, I'm not going to do anything if it doesn't feel right. And so there were times where I would be so close with the manufacturer having contacted them. And I'm like, but how is this going to work? Like, I don't want to just tell you what my whole innovation is because what's stopping them from being like, that's a good idea. Now I'm just going to go. Patent it myself. So um, I eventually yeah.
0: That's the danger with manufacturers, right? I remember like when Kickstarter was huge, you would see a Kickstarter like go viral, be well exceed its goal, and before they had ever delivered on the product, you could go on Alibaba and find that product as knockoffs before they'd even shipped. And so it's not paranoia. We've seen it happen countless times, right? Yes. Um, So now I I think you were right to approach it the way you did
1: so one connection um through my internet googling i just i kept like following the snowball right like i'd email one place to be like no i don't think this but hey like go check out this facebook forum and i'd go to the facebook forum and i'd type in hey this is what i'm looking for and eventually i got um a guy who had worked at a manufacturer who who in the past i was like hey like i used to work here like Reach out to them. I'm sure they could help you. So now this felt a little bit better, right? Like here, I'm having someone at least who had worked at a place who's vouching for them, and it was local to tr- like to meet in Toronto, Canada. Um, and so I set up a meeting with them, and I went and I made them sign a non-disclosure agreement before I showed them my hat. And like this is a big distributor, and I didn't know how they were going to take this. I was like, are they just going to show me the door? Because like what this. The audacity that she's asking us for an NDA, um, but I I did it anyways, and we that was my first person that I had connected with who really believed in the idea. So I these people were like, yeah, this is a really good idea. Then there were women actually that I pitched to, so they completely understood, and they started to bring me on. But corporate priorities there kind of like shut it down like their owner at the time wasn't into a lot of innovation and they had different like they were launching their own brands and so i kind of got this like shoved down and down until i was like hey this isn't happening with them so originally i was hopeful and i was encouraged because they're like hey like this is a good idea so i just kept searching and then a random networking connection was the thing that did it for me which is madness because of how many hours I spent on Google. It wasn't even that that helped me get my 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 manufacturer at the end of the day. It was literally a friend told me, "Hey, I know this guy who's got a patented product. I think you should talk to him." And I randomly on this call and he's like, "Hey, um you know who you should talk to? My mentor. We're in this uh incubator program in Buffalo, which Buffalo is the headquarters of the New Era Cap company." And he's like, "You should talk to my mentor because My mentor, I'm pretty sure he was high up at New Era. Like, he might be able to help you out. I'm like, what? (laughs) So I get on this call with his mentor, who, yeah, was very influential in the New Era organization. And his buddy, who he golfed with on a regular basis, was a sales guy for one of the leading um, hat manufacturers globally. And he's like, you should meet my buddy. Like, come down to Buffalo for lunch, and we'll all get together. And so... I was like, okay, <laughs> this is crazy. Um, but yeah, it was it was this random networking connection that caught me in with the leading global manufacturer of ads. And luckily, their mantra is that they are so pro-innovation. Pro-innov- like they have a small number of accounts they want to work with on a year after year basis just to build their innovative approach. Like they're just, that is who they are. And uh, the other thing that I just really loved was, I mean, this company is in China and this mentor was like, they have such great integrity. And so when I was getting, again, this firsthand account from someone saying that this manufacturer is amazing and has integrity and they're overseas, I mean, like, how could I not (laughs) feel good about that situation? Um, And by this time, I also did have patent pending. So I felt a little bit more like, okay, like at least I have the legal process in motion, but I also do feel good about the relationship
0: you know, I get what you're saying like you know it's you know maybe it's it there's some randomness to it, and there's just some things you cannot predict or prepare for and you know it goes both good and bad, and in this case, uh good in that it led you to what sounds like the conceivably best possible manufacturing partner for this product,
1: yes, the best possible. I I, uh, I wanted to create a high quality hat and I knew the difference maker was going to be what manufacturer does that for you. What I didn't know was that there is only like two or three manufacturers globally who can do a stretch fit cap well. And so I had learned that mm. since, um, but I would have had no idea. Uh, and so, yeah, that that literally did just kind of fall into my into my lap. And I was pretty lucky there.
0: Is your Shopify store out of gas? Get up and running again with Zipify Pages. Zipify Pages is a one of a kind landing page and sales funnel builder for Shopify merchants. Their impressive library of templates comes from their own $170 million Shopify store. And it has a template for every kind of page you need to build a high converting e commerce store. Quickly, and for a lot more profit. You can use Zipify Pages to improve any page on your store. You can customize product pages, category pages, and even your homepage, so you can make a lot more sales. Plus, all pages are optimized for mobile, and built-in split testing helps you maximize your results. It's no wonder Zipify Pages is used by over 5,000 Shopify merchants. Go to zipify.com Kurt, that's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot slash K-U-R-T to start your 14-day free trial today. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. So I think the the other issue you have when starting a brand new business and one that sells a physical good is a chicken and egg problem. You have to have a product to sell, but you have to have an audience to sell the product too. So... Like, help me with the timeline here. When do we start building an audience versus when is the product first available for sale?
1: So I registered for patent pending June 2019. And immediately after I had that, I was like, I am so excited about this thing. I'm going to tell everyone I know. (laughs) And so I'd like carry it around in my purse. And and then a moment came up where I could like bring it into the conversation. I would. And I remember being at this women's conference, like just days after was officially patent pending. And I was on the street, just like randomly taking pictures of the hat on the sidewalk and some women approach me and they're like, what does the P mean? So I go into my whole spiel and they they ended up loving the product. And one of them was a photographer. She offered to take pictures like it was this whole thing. And then they were like, so Stacey, how how can we find out about you? And I was like, um, uh, I'll, I'll just set up like an Instagram account right now so you can follow along. And I already had my website. I was directing people to sign up for my email list but it was like a lot of word of mouth in those early days. And that moment I set up an Instagram account and just decided, okay, I'm just going to start sharing about what this is like even just getting started. I mean, now I can, I don't, I don't feel like I'm held back from hiding the product. So I just started talking about it and people would share, I mean, when they met me and they would just share about it. And so slowly my organic social media presence was growing and um, until we got to it's now 2020 and um, yeah
0: <laughs> so all right, in t- you, the product gets officially launched in 2020, but you've started to people are aware of it, you're starting to build the audience, but they can't buy it but so what's that social media that pre-launch media content look like? You're sharing the problem, the journey manufacture I don't what do I even post,
1: right It's like, how many times a day can I post about a
0: baseball cap?
1: I know. Um, I mean, I would just, I was also just making personal connections. So I was kind of treating it ish like my own personal account. So I was just like sharing what's going on in Stacy's life and also updates for Ponyback. Um, I had a little bit of like a, a photo shoot in like fall with like some just hand-sewn prototypes I had made with some friends that, that I had some photos to post about. Um, One of my friends actually tagged me in this other influencer's, giveaway to like anyway so <laughs> really random but I gained a ton of followers just from the exposure uh, of being like nominated for this other random influencers giveaway Um and just like I don't know I just kept talking about it samples would come in I'd open up you know I'd open up the sample box I'd show everybody the samples I just I was working on it day to day and just shared all the minutiae of literally what was going on and so 2020 hit and I was ready to place my first PO. I remember it was like January and my, my sales account manager with the manufacturer was like something, you know, something's going on over there. (laughs) I'd place your PO like really soon. Like you're, you want to get your PO in like now. And I was like, okay. Um, and yeah, so I ended up placing my PO a little too late because I think I placed it in February and by this time, like COVID's like a full on thing in China and it's about to hit us, but I did get my PO in, but it just like slowed down the manufacturing process. So I was, I was supposed to have been able to launch by April and that was the goal, April, 2020. Um, but with all of COVID, things got pushed off off until I wasn't going to get my shipment until July. And even in that there was some like delays with ocean freight, et cetera. And um, so this this created issues, but also some opportunities that I wouldn't have anticipated happening. I remember at the end of March, I was supposed to have a photo shoot already. And this was going to be my main like source of photos for my website, for the launch, for everything. And I remember I had to cancel it all because at this point in March, we are in lockdown. And then I was thinking, OK, well, what am I going to do now? And I'm like, well, I mean, I just have me. <laughs> I have me. So I guess now I am going to be not only just the face on social media, but also the main model on my website. So I set up my own little studio in my living room. I figured out how to use Photoshop. I'd never used it before. I had a nice camera, thank goodness, so I could take my own pictures with a timer. And that that's how I set up my my website. And I did it on myself through Shopify. And um, had everything ready to go for a pre-order launch in June. And the weeks leading up to that, there was also another opportunity that was created. So a local social media company reached out, and they're like, "Stacey, you know, we're weird. We don't have any business right now. Like some of our some of our clients just, you know, like they've had to not be using our services, and we just have this extra time. Like we'd love to help you generate local buzz." And so I'm like, "Okay, sure." So we started this like local follow campaign where they would just help me like follow a ton of different people in the local community and they were very very well connected in the local community so they helped me grow my social media following i think we were around like 1500 people to like that 2000 person mark and then we decided to run a giveaway so i had these samples that was like okay well i'll give away these samples early so the winner of the giveaway gets their hat like months before everybody else because we're pre-ordering and um that giveaway just exploded! Like, I mean, I had a thousand followers prior to this. We definitely hit like 2500 followers just from this one giveaway. We had eight thousand entries on this giveaway. Like, it just, it like kind of went viral in and of itself. And then we just tried to get everybody on the email list by offering them a discount on email. But this first launch, like this was a soft launch. Like I had just purchased the minimum order quantity possible from the manufacturer. Because at this point, my husband is thinking, you don't even know if people are going to want to buy this hat. Like, how do you even know they'll actually spend real money? And this is a high quality hat. Like women are used to spending that much money on a ball cap. Like this is you. This is an ask of them, Stacey. So he was a bit of a disbeliever. So I was just trying to do everything as scrappy as possible and on our very first day of that pre-order launch uh we made like $13,000 in sales and this was just through Instagram how
0: many when you did that you you placed your first order for the the MOQ minimum order quantity how much how many did you buy initially
1: so i bought three sizes extra small small medium and medium large and that was just from testing my family does this hat fit your head do you need a bigger one do you need a smaller one and it was kind of like everyone was sort of in this range of extra small to medium large or 54 centimeters to 58 centimeters. I'm like, hey, well, that is pretty much everyone. So we'll go with three sizes and then just two colors, black and white. That's what I launched with.
0: And it it worked. You sold out of it.
1: We ended up selling out of black within the month. So the month of pre-orders was like there was still buzz kind of happening. And um, I had some friends who were like sharing it with some local influencers. So then I would like drop off hats at like a local influencer and then Eventually, um, yeah, by July, we had sold out of all the black hats, but we still had white hats left. And, my, and at this point, I mean, I'm a high school teacher. I was still teaching part time when I launched this and it was the end of the summer and I didn't want to go back to teaching. But my husband was like, well, I mean, you only made like $30,000 in sales this whole summer. Like, that's not really enough to like give up your old teaching career. And I'm like, OK. So I went back part time <laughs> in the fall. But again, another opportunity from COVID. School didn't look the same, so we we switched to these quad semesters in Canada, where I only had to teach from September. My my part time schedule, I only had to teach from September to November, and then I had the end of November to January off, where I did not have to be in the classroom. So that created a bit of an opportunity there too.
0: Again, a lot of opportunity here, and some of it indirectly created by the pandemic, in that you kind of felt forced into you have to become the face of the brand and you have to master social media, whereas, like, previously you had someone set up who was going to at least you know, be helping create content. And then that also turns into a local social media company says, hey, let us help. Maybe your your husband say, well, you know, don't, let's not get crazy, and quit your job just yet, while potentially discouraging. At the same time, it's like it's nice to have that safety net and, and walk before you can run. Yes, well, what is that like at that time? What does that social media content look like? What does that character look like? Are you doing face to camera now?
1: Yeah. So now, now I am just trying to be as scrappy as I possibly can. I, like, I am all over my Instagram stories. Now I'm like filming the packing. I, I'm like, I at this point, I'm like delivering parcels around my local community, which was much more work than I had thought. We quickly turned off that option on the website. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just like filming all the behind the scenes. And it's just like, you know, it's kind of the small business channel with Stacey. And just I'm just talking about every single thing that's happening while I'm like trying to take pictures and cute pictures to post because that was still the thing to do at that point on Instagram. And but but, you know, our uh, customers started to create some UGC for me. So that started to ease that up a little bit and was really great because because they felt so much a part of this sort of mission, right? Like they're like, oh, we're we're helping this hat, we're helping Stacy for the first time. So they were just being really great about sharing too. So it just became this like ecosystem of content that I that I could use. Um, but yeah, going going back to my husband. Now I'm giving him a bit of a hard time here. Like he he was hopeful. So he did say, Yeah, like we we can invest in inventory at this point, but I don't want you to give up like your teaching job just yet. So we did fill our basement. So after that initial summer, it was like, okay, like we can invest. We had been, we had sold out of black. So we're like, we need, we know we need more inventory anyway. So we invested in two additional colors. So now we're going to be up to four colors. We kept the same sizes and, um, we filled we filled our basement. It was like the fall that fall. So by November I had taken all of my children's like mini stick playing area away from them. They were so mad at me and it was just boxes upon boxes. And at this point I am now faced with like, how am I gonna sell all these hats from my basement? And I and I have a deadline of March 2021 because I don't want to go back to teaching next year. I want to focus on this. And I need to convince my husband that this is gonna be like a legitimate business. And I hadn't still done that. He's like, great, this is a great side hustle. You can still teach part-time and like sell hats from your basement. That's cool. But I wanted, I wanted to focus on it full time.
0: And what was the what was the watermark where you could both agree on, it is safe, I could quit my job.
1: We didn't really have that agreed upon. In my head, I I was just gonna do whatever it took to convince him. <laughs> so I knew I needed to make something happen. Uh, and at the time, I was heavily like learning paid ads myself. So I was taking ads courses. And again, I didn't have a marketing budget and I didn't wanna spend a lot of our own money. So I'm like, hey, I can do a course, I can learn it myself. So all this is happening at the same time that I'm hearing like TikTok, like everyone's telling me about TikTok. Like my best friend was telling me about TikTok. And after my part-time teaching stint was over in November, I'm like, okay, like, here we go. I'm going to focus on making TikTok content. And I started to see it happening for other businesses as well. Like I was catching like, wow, like that business just went viral. And like, I mean, that would be crazy if we could just make this happen on TikTok. So I started posting on TikTok one to two times a day in January 2021. And my, again, my husband thought I was wasting my time with this. <laughs> I'm Maybe. making him so, so bad on this podcast right now. And he, he's been since so, so supportive. But anyways, I um, I am posting several times on TikTok, just like doing whatever, right? Like, I don't I don't really know TikTok. I've consumed enough by this t- point to like have a feel for what I can do. and. Finally, by the end of January, one of my videos gets like 100,000 views on it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And this actually directly correlates into site traffic and increased sales. When this video happened, it was it was literally over like a five day period. And I saw the orders coming in. And I'm, I'm not going to be able to pack all of these myself next week. So at that moment, uh, there was just our babysitter who who You should come for a babysitter. I'm like, hey, like you want another part-time job for pony bag? and help me pack orders. So she started that next week. And we just after that, we just kept getting like viral video after viral video after viral video until we had one like hit a million. And then we sold out of all the inventory that was in my basement within only a few months. How did it feel? It felt, I mean, at the time. I was having a hard time celebrating that this was such a big win because people were so upset with us because we didn't have inventory. And at the time, it was height of COVID and supply chain was a hot mess. And I knew I'm not going to be able to get in this product. What am I going to do? Because I have a six-month lead time if I want to ocean freight this. It was it was a stressful time because I wanted to capitalize so badly on all this site traffic we were having. But yet I had no product for these people. So I had to invest in air freighting our next shipment that was coming in. And I begged my manufacturer, I'm like, hey, like, can you just up the quantity like three times like what I had originally ordered? And I just I did whatever I could to just bring in so much more inventory. And I also knew I'm not gonna be able to fit all this new inventory in my basement anymore. So luckily a property just like super close to us came available for lease, 2000 square feet it was just like the perfect size. And we moved in there super fast just before our shipment arrived, like a week before. We got that place ready and painted and cleaned and we uh right when that shipment we we launched our whole restock and we had like uh, an almost six-figure day on our Shopify store when we launched Whoa. that restock. It was incredible. Yeah. You get another one. Almost.
0: (laughs) I'm so tired of losing revenue. Are you tired of losing revenue to abandoned carts and lapsed audiences? Of course you are. Did you know that anonymous shoppers who visit your store on their phones can't receive abandoned cart emails from Shopify? (gasps) Pop quiz. What do Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch and Blendjet have in common? They all turn to Retention.com to maximize their growth and reclaim lost revenue. It's money falling from the sky. With Retention.com's reclaim solution, you can leverage industry-leading identity resolution technology to increase your SMS and email flow revenue by up to 10 times. We, I'm um, 10xing our list, okay? Like 10x. Like I'm not even joking. Onboarding is quick and easy, and implementation takes just hours, not months. Plus, Retention.com's flexible pricing is based purely on incremental performance, so you only pay for what you get. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to grow your Shopify store and reclaim lost revenue. Visit Retention.com to learn more and schedule your demo today. A lot has changed. In social media, like you're talking about, hey early on we had success with with Instagram, and you know, you're, you're posting regularly, and you had said you're like, well, you know then it was all like cute pictures. it, it, it really not that long ago, but now kind of the, like the flavor, the theme, what connects with people on those platforms changes, and what connects with them like per platform seems to change. What is you know, what content worked then that wouldn't work now? So And what content works now?
1: Yeah. So I feel like all of the video content was working then, even on Instagram. So when we were seeing such great success on TikTok, we were also repurposing our TikToks on Instagram and several of those also went viral. So we gained um, like in that same spring when I think by this time I was nearing like 9000 followers and all of a sudden over the month, like two month span, we had several reels go go viral as well on Instagram and we made it to like 30,000 followers in like two months. It was crazy. Um, So we were finding the similar stuff was, was working with reels. And so I just kept capitalizing on that. But what actually ended up hitting me wasn't necessarily the social media. It was the pressure of the business now because now I have a business that looks wildly different than what it did six months ago so i'm having to figure out hiring and and how people are going to help me because i literally can't do everything i was doing everything everything for that business prior to february 2021 and now it's june 2021 and we have this space and i need more employees and what what ended up getting me i think was i just didn't have the capacity to show up in the same way on social media I, I was being like torn like you have to be an operator and you have to grow a team and all of that takes time away from being a social media influencer and uh, for me I just I couldn't keep it up like I was just starting to get drained by by the wheel just eating me up so fast <laughs> but since then um I mean TikTok still ha- has done really well for us but when we hit the off season, so we're very seasonal. So March to July is our main selling season. But by the, by August rolling around, like you know, people in Canada, the United States, like they're thinking more about winter, pumpkin spice lattes, not baseball hats and the beach. And so um, we see that drop-off in sales. And I, it was my first off season heading into that, and I didn't really know what to expect. And the seasonality on the platforms also worked in conjunction with our content. So we were really hot in the spring because as an interest-based platform on like reels and TikTok, like we we were it, right? Like people are talking about cute outfits and hairstyles for the summer, et cetera. And we had that interest, but as the off season started to roll around, that content didn't, wasn't performing as well anymore. And so my sales were not keeping up and I started to get really nervous. Like, was it just because I went viral and, and does that just mean that I am I don't actually have a business otherwise? Like I need to start thinking about how am I going to build month over month revenue without relying on viral TikTok videos because <laughs> this is not a strategy that can sustain. And then that was when it was like, okay, I need more support. I need more agency support. I started hiring on a few other agencies. We dabbled in paid. Um, but I think it it does change. When you're on the platform, operating as kind of like an influencer, a person, and then you become a corporation who's paying for ads, your organic reach is interestingly, feels a little bit more inhibited all of a sudden. Um, So I, I did learn that too as we move forward from there.
0: We always say the content hole must be filled, right? As fast as you produce content and fill that void people eat it up and their attention wanes and suddenly that it's empty again and you got to fill it up again and what it it's often tough to predict what is going to be successful what people are really going to be into and so you could put all this effort in and you get it just falls flat on its face cuz you had like the the first second and a half worth of frames didn't look quite quite what they needed to be and Trying to come up with that level of creativity and novelty. And like video editing, yet yeah, like they're short videos, but it's still, you know, a 16-second video could still represent like several hours to produce. So you to stay on that flywheel as a solopreneur who's also got other responsibilities. And it's like the more successful you get at this, the more you gotta put into it. Wow, suddenly like you're running on that treadmill. And you can see where it would be very Easy to get burned out. But when you have made yourself the brand and like you own and control everything, okay, now, now what? What do you do? And that's kind of the cost of those, of organic success on those social media platforms, right? Yeah. I don't know that there was a question there.
1: (laughs) Well, it did. I mean, I can talk about that for a little bit, like a little bit. It did take a toll. So that fall, of 2020 was really hard because I started to see organic reach decline. Uh, One thing that was interesting was I, I, I could foresee ahead of time that like I need to fill out this off season with a winter product. So luckily I did have a winter beanie in the midst. And what was interesting about that was when we launched the beanie in November, like that was then trending, like talking about a winter hat. And it did kind of, it helped. It did help um it is continued to get some traction. So the videos that would do really well were then all about the winter product which was really interesting. So
0: well, so I mean we learned in the 90s with retail was like fast fashion would really get american consumers to spend because we we like novelty. And like you need to keep people so you you have to keep people's attention. Well, new product, new product, new product is one way to do that. And so you know, re-releasing the same product, re-releasing variations on the same product, new colors, new styles, that's one solution. Coming up with new content another solution. Um, the other one we see, and I think it is popular and I love because you get, like, it, it's a win for everybody, brand collabs and partnerships. Did you do anything in that space?
1: So, no, <laughs> we didn't. Um... And i think that was just a function of um i just didn't have the brain to be able to make those things become a reality but that is something that i'm thinking about now as we head into the spring um we just actually went to for a content creation trip to santa monica and we i mean we met up with a clothing company there called feet clothing Just to capitalize on the fact that, well, we don't want to go and buy all these new outfits for models. So instead, we're just going to like go to your store and we will use all of your outfits. So that's the extent of brand collabs that we've currently done. But I could see them being and playing into our future strategy much more. Um, Yeah, there's, there's a lot of strategies with like pairing up with influencers and having create a specific line with the influencer. And those are all things I think right now I'm like, looking to explore as we've also just hired some more people to help me. So that's great.
0: That is great. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like you are heading down this path a little bit and then also dealing with either the demands and the time and your burnout as you scale through hiring. And it sounds like it's not necessarily been full-time. It's a mix of you know part-time contractors, fractional people, whatever you want to call it.
1: Yes, but I did make investments in full-time staff this year. So, August 2022, I hired my first full-time employee. We were closing down our warehouse and moving to fulfillment center, and I thought that this would be a great opportunity to sort of bring on that like operations specialist and like mini me, like the person who I could just give all the tedious tasks to to help just maximize my brain capacity. So I had this girl who was helping me with some YouTube video editing on the side. And I just really thought that she just was like the perfect mix of having so many different skills that she could really work in this entrepreneurial environment in which we all do everything really well. So she came on and just like helped transition from our warehouse. She learned all the back end when we were doing it. And then when we moved it to the fulfillment center, she was able to to have this complete understanding of our business operation from when we were literally sending parcels to the customer. And I feel like that was just so valuable because now she's managing that relationship with our fulfillment center and our customer support team. And she is really like being that part of the brain for me. And then just this February, I hired a director of brand and creative because uh, with taking on all of the like really true CEO responsibilities now, I just was continuing. And as you talked about creator burnout, like I was just continuing to feel depleted and depleted and I'm like, I just eat somebody else's brain. Even if she's like, Stacy, here's a TikTok idea. Now go film it. At least I didn't have to have the creativity to come up with the idea in the first place. And so um she's been working with me now for a month and I'm already starting to feel just like reinvigorated. Like I I don't have to have that creative drain going on anymore. Um there's somebody helping create and prompt all of that so those are my first two full-time hires which i just felt like made so much sense for me and where i was feeling stretched and the pain and they just like came in and like plugged that hole
0: those those sound really really positive and productive i mean especially if you're like well i know i need to hire i know i can i can and at this point i wonder can i afford not to then you look at like the overlap of available talent and what is the things that are, like, you need to delegate, you need to get off your plate, that are either really hugely time-consuming for you or not adding value in a way you want. Like, it, it's hard to get excited about the day-to-day when before you could do the exciting things that re-energize you, uh, that, that fill that tank back up, you got to do, like, the eight painful things first. But first, there's always someone out there who, like whatever you don't like to do, that is the thing that like absolutely tickles their brain. I mean, just the weird esoteric things that I delight in that other people are like, this guy is a spreadsheet weirdo, right? Like that yes. kind of Yes.
1: Well, I've already seen it too with my director of brand and creative. She is just so into colors and outfits and styling. And I would just, my brain would melt anytime we had to have this conversation about what was the model going to wear. And I'm like, no, like, I don't care. Just, anything like black (laughs) and white and she's like no and she's just so so into matching the colors with the hats and just like creating that vision and it's just been so so awesome
0: yeah well i mean hiring someone to sweat the details on that vision sounds pretty good so any um well one thing i want to know how do you stay up on industry trends or insights like whether it's fashion apparel or e-commerce? Or marketing or you're living it so you know you've got the experience and that that keeps you on your toes
1: well i haven't i mean i haven't explained to you all of the components of my team so another lucky person i was i was able to land in the early days was a hat designer which they don't grow on trees believe it or not so when i first found my manufacturer they're like stacy you need a tech pack and i'm like i don't know what that is <laughs> and I had neither do I randomly made this connection on LinkedIn early days. People were like, Cece, you should license this. And so I was like, I don't I don't know, but I just like I didn't think that was the right idea, but I had explored it. So I just like messaged probably 100 people in product development, like if their title was product development, at any like athletic place or uh, hat brand, I was just messaging them anyway. So she was a former product development hat designer at one of the leading hat manufacturers, but she had left and started freelancing. And so we had this call like early days, and she's like, if you ever need a designer, just let me know. And I was just looking for information from her on how to create a just how to create a brand at this point or hats or just any information I could gather. And then when the manufacturer asked me, Oh, well, you need a tech pack, I was like, what? So I already had this sort of random LinkedIn connection. She's been with me since then. So at first it was just like a, you know, tech pack by tech pack basis, but now she's Uh, officially on sort of the team as 10 hours per week for product development and hat design. And so I kind of have her now. She's consulting on hat colors and like trends that they're seeing in hats in the future uh, for next year. And like, do we want to do a bucket hat or not do a bucket hat? Um, So it's been really great to have her.
0: Well, Well, wait, hold on. What's a tech pack?
1: In manufacturing, for your manufacturer, you have to have every single detail explained to like the most minute Like for instance we have our logo on the side right you know like it's 1.5 centimeters from the bottom of this band in this way and it's like 0.5 centimeter from the seam allowance like all of that detail has to be described in the tech pack or on a consistent basis your manufacturer might not make it the same so you have to have all of this completely outlined for them sometimes a manufacturer can do this part for you you'd pay them extra but in my case they always left it up to the brand. So I needed to have all of these tiny little decisions, like how many you know lines on the brim of seams do you want? How many panels? All of the, just everything in a document needed to be outlined from. And that takes design skill and experience to even know what they wanted.
0: That Tech Pack helps define your technical vision, the manufacturing process, to the manufacturer because you really don't want to leave things up to the manufacturer's discretion if you don't have to. Because they're going to go with like, all right, well, what is going to cut production cost here? Where it might be an area where you're like, no, no, I'm willing to spend the extra penny to make this work per
1: unit. 100%. And I even saw some of those things. Sometimes I wouldn't have identified something or Melissa and I didn't say, oh, we want, you know, this color of underbrim fabric or we just missed some small detail. And then all of a sudden I was getting a hat chip and that a different undercolor brim fabric. And I'm like, what's going on here? Oh, well, you didn't tell us what you wanted. So we just went ahead with gray. Hope that's OK. <laughs> oh, Ugh,
0: brutal. Yeah. I mean, if you if you if you're saying, hey, we need this yesterday and you didn't specify it, eh, let's go ahead and make the decision for you has been what we've discovered with, you know, when some not ideal things showed up. We had a client who sold bags. We've had several clients who sold bags. uh, And they had like an entire, you know, entire cargo container shows up and all of the zippers are wrong. They're like, oh, God, (laughs) what do we do now? Um, And of course, that's like there are people who specialize in that. And then you have to like try and get it fixed and. No matter what, it's going to be expensive, time-consuming, painful. And at that time, it's like, you just need the inventory. So now you can't even, ugh. you know, it's rough when when that stuff, the uh, product you're expecting, desperately shows up and it is not what you would pictured or envisioned, and, you know, different from the sample. It's like, it's amazing how the samples are always really nice. Then in product, you're like, wait a second. Yep. How these manufacturing efforts tend to go, which is why it, it fascinates and terrifies me. <laughs> so... On that note, this is our our closing question here. What advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs? There are so many, especially in fashion and apparel, they want to start their own small business. What would you say to them?
1: The thing that has stuck with me is if you think your product is perfect, you've probably launched it too late. And I'm sure I heard that on some other podcast. Somebody else said that. I didn't say it. I didn't come up with that line. But I truly believe in that. So I just, I went to market as fast as I, possibly could and out of that uh i learned a ton of things that we had to rework in the product as i went but i'm so glad i did that because the customer has been the biggest guide this whole time so that's the other thing about having this brand be on social media in such a powerful way that we have this direct connection with the consumer that they're going to tell us when stacy the magnets aren't strong enough i can't close up the back around my hair so that was the very first problem I had to solve with the original batch. The magnets, for lots of people who had sort of my hair thickness or thinner, it was fine. The magnets could do up great. But when it got to somebody who had thicker hair, they the magnets weren't strong enough. So we had to up the strongness on the magnets. That was the very first project that we had. And then they are telling me, Stacy, my head's too big for your hats. Like, I need a bigger size. Or my head's too small. I need a smaller size. Okay, well... I'm learning that women have just the like widest range possible of head sizes. And as someone who wants to create an inclusive brand, we need more sizes. So we got to work on building more sizes, like legitimately every single thing that we've changed or adapted has come from that customer. And we've just iterated on again and again and again, like Stacey, you don't like the fabric because it's making sweat stains. Well, we ought to come out with a recycled polyester fabric so you can wash it and you can get rid of those sweat stains. So, um, I think that's the biggest thing is you don't have to launch something that is completely perfection. And in a lot of cases, your customers might not even know what the thing that drove me crazy in the early days was that our hat manufacturer had never dealt with magnets before, but now they are using these magnets and they're not aligning the magnets properly. And so in my eyes, the biggest defect was any like squiggle in that like back line. Like I wanted it to look like this does not look like if you if it's closed, it looks like a normal fitted hat. That's what's so cool about it. Yeah, that's
0: what you were di- Like you know, in the audio version, maybe you could hear it click shut. But like when that seam closes, it really is one hundred percent not evident that 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 it's
1: not a real seam. A hundred percent. But would drive me nuts when that seam would look off, and it was because the magnets were not aligned. And in most cases, I was being so much more strict on this as a quality defect than my customers were, and so. It was interesting because I was so hardened, like, this is the thing that has to be perfect. But my customers never once complained. Like, I never once got an email from them saying, the back of my hat was too squiggly. Like, I just, (laughs) the magnets weren't aligned 100%. That, That was never, ever the customer service inquiry. And so... I think that to me just proved that here I'm trying to be super fanatical about one design aspect, but it didn't really matter in the same way to them. They didn't see it the same way because I'm like obsessive about my product and they they don't know it as intricately. So just don't sweat that your your, your product isn't its most perfected form because what's gonna happen is you'll launch it and then your customers will tell you where you should be prioritizing and what you should fix first and what means, what matters most to them. And so that has been just really powerful along our whole journey. And I think we continue just to come out with product after product that's better, better than the last. And it's because of the feedback from the customers. So that's that's my number one piece of advice.
0: Oh, it's great advice. Where can we go to learn more about you?
1: Well, you can always go to Ponyback on TikTok or Ponyback Style on Instagram. Those are the uh, places where I show up the most. There's lots of that Stacey content there. We're also on YouTube at Ponyback Style as well. And there's lots of videos there that go into and explaining the whole journey from startup till here. Yeah, we've been trying to, to showcase it all. So you can find it there.
0: Fabulous. And of course, if I want a
1: Ponyback hat, I'm going to
0: Ponyback.ca? Uh,
1: yes, but Ponybackhats.com is, is usually where we send all of the people. Ponybackhats.com, my mistake. I
0: will include that in the show notes. Stacy, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me, Kurt. I've been a long time listener, so it was pretty exciting to be on your podcast today.
0: Oh, fabulous to have you. (laughs) The unofficial Shopify podcast is brought to you by Loop. Loop is a returns management platform that makes returns profitable and stress-free for you and your shoppers. Loop offers automated returns, exchanges, and store credit options to lower costs and increase revenue. Do You wanna offer at-home pickup or boxless drop-offs? to lower return costs or increase repeat purchases how about all of the above that's what's possible with loop loop delivers customized returns management solutions for shopify merchants of all sizes like studs princess polly code epoxy to turn returns into returning customers find out why thousands of shopify merchants choose loop to manage their returns at loopreturns.com that's loopreturns.com